live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Aaron and friend holding it down in the big room. Harry on the highway causing trouble. He's in the building somewhere. David Zier sitting on the set with me. Slick Rick will be here to do sports as well. Mr. Zier, how are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. Very good. Good to have you with us as always. Uh, lots to talk about tonight. Obviously, um, we only had a we only got a few minutes last night. Obviously, President Trump got started a little late, so it ate up most of the eight to ten hour. We came on at the very end, so we had a little bit of time to kind of uh, reminisce about the speech. Talk to Ben Burkwam and Kaylin Dorn on the uh, on the ground. But tonight we got a full show, so we'll talk about uh, we could talk about election night again. We could talk about the president last night. We can talk about um, lots of stuff. Slick Rick's going to do sports. David will do news. We got a crazy town tonight. Um, well, I mean, Biden today was just, I mean, it was a mixture of just utter nonsense and just lies, which basically makes it like any other speech, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's just another day. But my God, some of it was hard. It was just hard to watch. He was at this UAW thing. And I guess because, you know, they got this, they got this contract that I, I still say 75% of America can't even grasp, can't even relate to as they're trying to get f- put food on the table and live paycheck to paycheck. And here's this group asking for 40% more uh, money. They've already got great benefits and all this other. I, 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 my contention is that most of America looks at that and just shakes their head. But putting that aside, here's Biden out there today. And I guess because they got this deal done, he was trying to, and then there were kind of a rowdy crowd out there. Of course, they, they're, you know, big, you know, all the union, they love, you know, love Biden. And um, he was trying to, I don't know if he was just trying to keep up with the energy of the crowd, but he'd go, for, he would just try to, he was just trying to do too much. He was just go from silence to rage, soft to yelling, losing his place, making stuff up. And it was just, um, well, it was rough. Did you see any of it today? I did not see it, um, but I have a, a something related to that about how Toyota it wants to move away from EV cars for the future. Well, yeah, they may be interested in actually making money. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, they want to go to high, you know, hybrids is the way to go because uh, you don't have to charge them and it's a small battery. Okay. All but right, I got good. some info on that. Yeah, okay. Uh, Dr. Robert Sake is going to join us. Sake or Sike, I believe it's Sake, uh, is going to join us from the wellness company at the uh, bottom of the hour. I've got a bunch of important things to ask him, too, about what's going on in the world and our uh, medication cha- uh, supply chains and uh, a bunch of stuff there to talk to him about. But um, I went home last night, and I s- tried to watch the debate, David Zier, yeah. and I could not make it through. <laughs> Number one, because the longer it went, the more boring it got. Um, and I think I have to, I think we have to watch it in our position. I think you have to watch it. I know the people don't care. This audience doesn't care, but I think we have to watch it. So I tried to put myself through watching it. I couldn't make it through it last night. So I got up this morning and I finished it. And when I thought to myself this morning was that I was right last night. This is more boring the more it goes on. It was okay to start. You know, you've got the three in the middle who I, I guess are worth, you know, the night listening to. And you have the two bookends who just have got to go. Yeah. Uh, Chris Christie's just got to go. And um, Tim Scott's just got to go. 
I think you're going to see that start to happen. Uh, I thought Vivek had the TKO of the night with his opening statement. Well, here it, here it is. I figured this is this is you know if there's anything from that worth watching, it was it was this because he said a lot of what um, I think we were all feeling, and uh, people thought it was too much. I didn't at all. I, I didn't at all. I didn't think it was too much whatsoever. Here it is. Swami, let me turn to you. Uh, please make your case. Why would you? Uh, why should you be the nominee and not the former president? I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We're a cancer in the Republican <laughs> establishment. Yeah. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Christian, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. Sorry. They should have just ended this the debate right there. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want any part of that. So what, 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 can you, what can you disagree with so far that he's done there? I and mean, people thought that was so over the top. I, I heard people go, oh, I can't believe he did that. He should have waited to the end to do something like that if you're going to attack the uh, why. Well, he hit on everything. He hit on, you know, why aren't you asking relevant questions to what the people on the street and the guy, the contractors want to hear, right? And uh, Joe Rogan and Tucker and, uh, and, and, you know, and Elon Musk, you know, whatever you think of each of them, you know, they're just very popular, uh, mainstream. Maybe that would have been better because, you know, there isn't that there's kind of like an independent streak with all three of them. Maybe not an NBC bias. Right. But the point about the host to me is still the point about the first half, which is Ronan McDaniel. Like how, why, why you choose it? Why are they hosting? Yeah. I mean, Hugh Hewitt, I mean, fine, whatever. He's 100 years old and whatever. I think he's pretty much lost his fastball at this point, but I don't know. He's fine, but why are, why are the other two there? And I, it's still a reflection on the RNC. That's the point. I get the feeling that it's kind of set up to kind of push Halley forward. You know, uh, DeSantis didn't have a good night at all. Uh, and he came off the stage. He looked upset, you know, um, and he's, he's walking really awkwardly. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, not to make fun of them, but I don't, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Uh, but I, I wanted to, uh, you know, I think they're pushing this Haley narrative that she's going to be the one she's going to gain ground on Trump in South Carolina. I don't think Vivek was wrong. Like, OK, leave your kids and family out of it. But she started it by saying that Vivek was on TikTok and he was just responding to what she said and said, your family's on TikTok. If you're so concerned about national security and China and all this stuff. You know, and tracking you and, you know, uh, why, why do you let your daughter on it? Um, and, and he, you know, he's saying like it, it, that like 75% of the kids are on TikTok. And how do you reach that young vote? And not that a lot of them probably vote anyway, but you know what I'm saying? You have to, you can't ignore that contingent.
So how do you get the message out to them? So that's what Vivek was saying. He's using that platform to try to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't really get the Haley thing. I mean, she's like establishment of the establishment of the establishment uh, candidate. She continues to prove that every time she opens her mouth. I mean, you know, I mean, Trump hired her to be at the UN, and, and during that time, I always thought that she was doing a pretty good job at the UN. But uh, you know, this isn't 2004 yeah, anymore. She's so missed. she runs like she wants. You know, if it's 2004, yeah, you're the candidate. You know, that's it's this. But I mean, yeah, I don't really get the. Um, well, I do get it. She's the establishment, and uh, I guess to some degree that means some of the um, the media, uh, the one they want to push. She could be vicious. She could be vicious too. You know, she's not all uh, rainbows and unicorns. I know, but it's know? not vicious in like a. It's kind of like it's it's kind of cringe. Yeah, she's like total yeah. cringe. Like the heel thing. I wear these heels not because. Oh, they're, first of all, they're five yeah, inches. Yeah, they're six inches. I'm going to step on you. Ammunition or some stupid you. line she had. I mean, it's just that's so <laughs> lame. I mean, it's just lame. But, yeah. the, but you know, the, the thing that stuns me now about three of these things is that there is not, has not been any substantial discussion. And I brought this up to John Solomon the other night. And, I mean, he, he says to me that everybody just doesn't want to talk about it and move past. Not one single question about COVID. And the thing I don't agree with on John's answer, and I love John Solomon, but I, I, every problem – when you think about all of the problems right now that we face, how many of them can you go back and say have either their genesis from or have been like gasoline poured on the fire because of COVID? A lot. There is a lot of what we're dealing with now that you can direct a direct line back to COVID and what they did, whether it's elections, mail-in ballots, vaccines. Yeah. You can go back to suspending so many things. Not a question about it, and then I'm told no one cares. And I, I don't see how it's the it's the issue of our time, and nobody wants to talk about three it. Three major events changed the direction of America, maybe for good: Trump derangement syndrome, George Floyd riots, and COVID. Right? You know, how do we come back from that paradigm uh, shift uh, to where now you move towards a, a kind of like a paramilitary, quasi technocratic lockdown state that could be implemented at any time for any other reason. Uh, that was a first for us as Americans, right? I mean, having said the fact that I think the RNC putting the two, Kristen Walker and what's his name there yesterday is a joke. And it just, again, it just goes to the RNC. It just makes you just shake your head. Like, oh, when can we get some serious people in serious positions? Having said that, though, I can't look at the job they did last night and say that that was... I think the questions were probably worse because I, I, I you know, you get questions from their kind of ideology point of view. Where the Fox ones, you kind of got questions more about their policies, more from a right kind of leaning angle. But I didn't really look at last night and think, well, they did so much of a worse job than the first two. I really couldn't say that. No, there was nothing special about it. And I got bad news for you. Um, there's going to be a fourth. <laughs> Well, so, the fourth at this point should be the three that were in the middle last night and get rid of, I mean, Tim Scott's, I mean, just enough of him and get Fetzel back to the beach. Just enough. Yeah, Christy was a non-factor oh, yesterday. God, just go go to Mickey D's and go hit the beach. Put your fat ass and, back on the beach and shut up. Yeah. And just enough of him. It's just enough with his Trump derangement syndrome and his kamikaze. He's only there to take shots. 
I mean, it was one time last night, only one time that I felt like I needed to, li- I was li- actually listening to his answer. The only relevant responses or attacks that I took away from it were from Vivek. I, I didn't see anyone else say anything really dynamic because he went where others were afraid to go. Right. I thought his answer on the abortion thing was, was very good as well. Honestly, Haley, I heard people say they thought she tackled it well. I, I, I don't know. She kind of sounds like she concedes to me. I got a lot of emails last night about the 15 seconds that we, we of the time we had last night. I made I made some comment about yielding on abortion because I gotten a lot of emails and I just said I, that that could never be our position. I don't know exactly what I said last night, but my God, I woke up this morning to a bunch of emails just saying. You know, I so agree with what you said. Thank you for standing up for life. I don't even remember what I said. I'd have to go back and watch it. But um, I don't think people are with Nikki Haley that we have to somehow concede any ground on that. We have to message it better. And I thought actually Vivek did a better job of messaging last night than she did. I didn't think her answer on that was all that great. Because she wants to have a kumbaya moment, it sounds like to me. All right, 13 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. We'll do sports, we'll do news, crazy town, all coming up right after this. Studio 6B, 17 past the hour on a Thursday night. Want to take a second to wish my mother a very happy birthday on this November 9th. Happy birthday, Mom. I spoke to her early in the day. Hope she had a good day. I'll see her on Saturday. So happy birthday to Mom. Uh, David Zier's here. He's going to do some news. Slick will do some sports. Aaron and Fran holding it down. If they can stop being distracted by Harry on the highway, who's running around the office causing trouble. Uh, you have no idea. Are you, are you, is, is he on the air when he speaks to me? Absolutely not. I'm not doing Absolutely that. not. So, Harry, if they can't hear you, then I don't want you to speak to me. So I want, I want them to hear you and how annoying you are. <laughs> so oh, we're hearing it all right. Uh, and I know you're hearing it, Fran. Um, a couple of emails here already coming in. Damon, you're wrong on Haley. Well, what did, what did I say on Haley? She's vicious. After Vivek called her out, Haley, for her daughter being on TikTok, she called them scum. Yeah, I saw it. But what, wait, what did I say that I'm wrong about? That she's, if, she, if we were campaigning in 2004, she's the perfect establishment candidate? I said she was. Oh, I said she wasn't vicious? Oh, I did? Well, I'm old. Well, I mean, I don't know. So calling him scum is vicious. He didn't seem to even he seemed to win in one ear out the other. In one ear out the other. He didn't seem to really care so, too much. Uh, Chris says, you're giving Rona too much credit. She is so out of touch with current day Republican MAGA that she believes every day America still watch the old mainstream news media, ABC, CBS, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's a big, uh, she's like Jeb, she's a big effing dud. Okay. Um, I don't think I gave her that much credit. I I, I called for her to resign, by the way, uh, in 2020 and in 22 when we could have gotten rid of her. And guess who was stumping for her? Well, it wasn't me. Just like Mitch McConnell, who was stumping for him. It wasn't me. We could have got rid of both of them. Who stumped for McCarthy? 
Who called uh, MTG on the phone, that famous idea where she's holding up her phone, trying to whip votes for McCarthy? We got him speaker. It wasn't me. I wasn't holding the pom-poms for any one of those three. But yet we got stuck with all three of them. And we got rid of uh, one. I don't know if we'll ever get rid of the other, Marble Mouth, and it doesn't look like we're going to get rid of her. Unless the uh, 180, whatever the number is, what's the number of the 186, 183? Unless they act which I wouldn't hold my breath for that. So uh, David Zier's here. It's going to do some news. If you send me more emails, we'll get to your, uh, we'll get to more of your emails and messages as well. Uh, what's going on in your world, Mr. Zier? A lot going on. Uh, I'll be leaving for New Hampshire tomorrow to cover Trump at uh, 2 p.m. on Saturday in Claremont, New Hampshire. Uh, it's going to be a hotbed. Uh, primary is only about 60 odd days away in uh, New Hampshire. The nation's first uh, primary, very important. Uh, Trump lost s- six out of eight counties in New Hampshire in 2020 um, and lost by about seven points. Um, and But he can gain ground in four Democrat light blue counties. He only lost by less than one point, I think, in two of them, uh, two, three points in the two others. He'll be in Claremont, Sullivan County. He lost by about three. He's going into the heart of um, New Hampshire more towards the north, north of Manchester, um, and has an opportunity to, uh, you know, win it back. Um, so it's in play. I think New Hampshire's in play for Trump in the presidential election. If he's the nominee uh, in the primary, he'll probably, uh, you know, win comfortably. Um, but a few candidates are gaining some ground. You know, Christie's trying to get Democrat and uh, independent voters to switch their party affiliation in a semi-closed primary process where you could declare your affiliation. He's asking them to come over and vote against Trump because he's a one-issue candidate. It's only about destroying Trump. Uh, Haley's making a little ground. DeSantis spending a lot of time in New Hampshire, too. But I think uh, Trump has a comfortable lead. I mean, where's the demographic that takes Chris Christie seriously at this point? I mean, he hasn't even pulled skim milk. Has he even pulled 2% yet? I mean, maybe in some places, but where is the big demographic that's taking Chris Christie seriously? He's at three I haven't points. seen it. He's at three points as an average. I mean, I could be at three points. I could have run around with Trump derangement <laughs> syndrome and been you. at three points. I, I mean, would vote for you. I mean, who's taking him seriously? Just get out. Why don't these people understand when they're time? Just get out. Yeah, the highest he's uh, Just keep ranked. hanging around. Five points is the highest he's ranked uh, in in the last ten polls. So, and and I know people don't want to rely on the polls, but if you take a conglomerate, it kind of gives you a picture of kind of what's going on here, you know. And Haley <laughs> Haley hasn't achieved, you know, uh, more than ten or fifteen in the last ten polls. I mean, this guy goes to that Florida summit, gets on the stage, talk about not reading a room or even understanding the electorate or where the party's at. He gets up there and says, "Oh, your 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 um, inability to acknowledge the truth is uh, whatever the hell he said." It's like, dude, it's like, dude. He's not like, hello, he's not likable. And, uh, you know, you have to be able to, you know, spin it around if somebody's booing you, you know, it just drives him crazy that the former president is still, um, it drives them all crazy that the former president is as popular as he is, as he is, no matter what they throw at him, it doesn't matter because the people are smarter than see, this is what this, this is, here's the problem. The problem for Chris Christie is he wants to be liked on MSNBC and CNN and Little Georgie on Sunday mornings. He wants to go do his thing and put his little suit on. Well, it's not little, but put his suit on. And uh, he wants to be liked by all these people. Uh, But he really wants to be liked by you, and he's never going to be liked by you because you despise him uh, appropriately. 
because you see through his fat ass for what it is. And he's a Trump, he's a kamikaze who's only interested in trying to take down Trump. And he uses every opportunity he can to try to say something nasty about him. And uh, he doesn't ever talk about his record as governor. I wonder why that is. He doesn't talk about his record as any uh, as uh, anything else he's ever tried to do in his career. He's um, he's butthurt because he couldn't get a job for Trump. That's why he went to hang yeah. out with Obama. Trump never so he, hired him. Right. So he just goes which way the wind blows, which is usually some fast food joint uh, for him. And he just, you know. This is why he's at one. This is why he's at one, two, three percent. But he won't get out. They They just won't get out. They can't see the writing on the wall. For whatever the reason is, he just he just won't get out. Not yet, no, no. All right, what else is going on? Um, I there was a fascinating story. Uh, New York University, uh, you know, has probably one of the best hospital systems uh, in the world, and they successfully performed the nation's first whole eye surgery uh, on a patient from Arkansas. So uh, you know, now they can uh, replace your eye, which is I think pretty incredible feet of technology uh the entire left eye of aaron james 46 a u.s veteran who lost his left eye nose lips and teeth front teeth left cheek and part of his chin in an electrical uh, accident in 2021 uh and he's been uh, motivated to regain function in his face and independence uh, and it looks like he might be on the road to recovery i thought that was pretty incredible you know an uplifting story modern for medicine, a change right? i'm not yeah. mad at tonight <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm Maha, make America happy again. <laughs> well, yeah, good luck with that. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I get I get emails from people that I just don't understand. They just act like everything is great. Like I just, you know, I mean, I, we don't want to be mad at, but I, I mean, you have to acknowledge where we are, and I think that's what that Viv- Vivek's opening statement last night. You know, it's like the GOP is like where winning goes to die. It's like, and it can't, and it shouldn't be that way. Because we have we have no um, unified message. We have no messenger that can go sell conservatism and contrast it with what is going on in this country, which is um, Marxist communism. And seemingly too many people are just okay with it. Yeah, and Charlie Kirk was great today and, and others out there, uh, Rogan O'Hanley, you know, basically saying, and Charlie was saying that it's easier to take out the RNC leader than it is a House speaker, uh, you know, uh, even though the motion to vacate process, you know, uh, you know, happened. But there's no reason why at this new meeting coming up in a couple of months, I think, where they couldn't take out Ronna McDaniel and replace her. Yeah. All right. We'll do some more news with David Zier. Crazy Town coming up an hour or two. Got some good stuff to cover as well. Live from Studio 6B on a Thursday. Back after this. Oh, oh, oh. 
live from Studio 6P on a Thursday night, 8.30, Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. David Zier is going to do some news. Slick is going to do some sports as soon as he gets here. Aaron and friend holding it down. Harry on the highway in the building as well. Lots to get to. Crazy Town coming up in hour two. We'll do news. We'll do sports. We'll do it all. we got some things to uh, talk about. we got some new numbers out on where people feel the country is. We'll get all to all that. But right now, please welcome the co-founder of Integrative Therapeutics Board, Dr. Robert Seek, to live from Studio 6B. Dr. Seek, how are you? Good evening. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. Thank it's, you. It's great to have you. Lots going on in the world. And, I, you know, we talk a lot about, um, as we went through COVID on this show, we talked a lot about, obviously, um, therapeutics and alternatives and what was going on in the in the medical community and pharmacies and all kinds of things and one of the things we talked a lot about that i don't think people realized is how how reliant we are on sometimes our enemies for uh for for medicines from china and for prescription drugs and now you look at what's going on in the world you've got conflicts in the middle east ukraine uh and you think about supply chains and getting drugs into the country god forbid you get these things start to spread out you get wider wars uh, supply chains. Uh, do you see any issues with supply chains or how will supply chains, uh, you know, be affected, uh, impacting on prescription drugs with what's going on in the world right now? Well, one thing I hope for is the reshoring of manufacturing to America is going to begin because, as you pointed out, so much of our supply, particularly pharmaceutical supply, comes from India, Pakistan, and China. Even if final product is put together in the United States, you still have these countries that are making the active ingredients, like most of our antibiotics. And the things that you mentioned, widening wars, let's say there's a conflict in one of the canals, uh, let's say there's a massive rocketing up of fuel prices or natural disasters that we saw Acapulco, God forbid, you know, Lahaina, any type of thing that prohibits shipping, uh, inhibits access for people to have certain medications is a, is a concern. And my call is to the corporates out there, the corporate magnates that are going to reshore American manufacturing and for people to prepare because I'm concerned about supply chains all the time. So so how do supply chain issues, how do they actually impact prescription drugs? Is it just the ability to get them or is it um, – talk to me about the whole supply chain. Does it affect the whole thing is, or is it just actually getting them? How does it actually affect it? I'm a pharmacy owner and I'm the dispensing end of things. I buy from wholesalers, U.S. wholesalers and even, like I said, manufacturers that are in the United States. But where do they get their ultimate raw material, the source or what we call the API, the active pharmaceutical ingredient? Over 90 percent of our antibiotics in particular and so many more of our medications are manufactured in India, Pakistan and China. So despite being an American pharmacy owner or even look at the chain uh, drugstores, if they can get the product, in a time where there's prohibitions on shipping or otherwise, you know, compromised supply chain, you know, that that's an issue. Is it going to be on the shelves is the question of all time. If we, like you said, we have disasters or conflicts, that's yeah. a question. Yeah. And you know, I've, you hear the presidential candidates, you hear president Trump talk about a lot of time that we, you know, we're closer to world war three than maybe we ever thought we would be. And you think about what a world, another world war three or, or any kind of war would look at, uh, it's going to be different, I would think, than we've something we've ever experienced. You know, you think about biological, you think about chemical warfare uh, here in the United States, something we never really think about. Obviously, just even look at COVID, obviously, and what could be worse, obviously, what they could release, what's the next thing. Uh, how do Americans, having gone through these last three years, how do they prepare for, let's say, what the next step could be? How, how do you prepare for that? 
You know, I'm sure a number of your audience, based on the type of show that you have and the people that are aware of what's going on in the world and what actually could be, not to be alarmist, but this is reality, right? Uh, are they asking themselves if they're prepared at home? Uh, do they have savings? Do they have food prepared at home, water? Medications is so often overlooked because the perception is, well, I could just go down to the corner drugstore, uh, the chain drugstore, get whatever I need. But not too many people realize how much comes from overseas. So the concern is this. If we have an outbreak or if you have an urgent issue, let's say an infection, can you actually be prepared by stocking up on medication? This is not something that Americans have commonly done. In other countries where certain things like many antibiotics are available over the counter and could just be bought without a prescription, what if we have power outages and you can't even get an urgent consult? Now you have two things to think about. Can you get your medication because one, they're in the country. Number two, can you get a consult? So I work with the wellness company. I'm the chief of their integrative therapeutic board. You asked how people can be prepared at the wellness company website and you can share the link. We have two different kits that we have available. One has eight different medications, six antibiotics, and a guidebook for how to use them in case of urgent infection. Those can be stored, stocked at home. And we also have a newly released COVID kit because what did we learn during COVID? You need to have access to physicians that are unafraid to prescribe hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, know how to use it. But early treatment is crucial. So as we head into the winter where respiratory infections go up, I think it's good to be prepared. Yeah, you know, speaking of prepared, I've gotten emails from people um, th thinking ahead and they see Biden Obviously, poll numbers continue to drop. I have another story today about how, how, how just awful his poll numbers are. President Trump leading in all these swing states. We had a poll out this week from the New York Times, the Siena poll, that seemed to get the left and the Democrats extremely nervous about Biden, whether he could get across the finish line. Uh, and I've had emails from people saying, you know what, whatever the next COVID is, 2022, COVID-21, whatever it's going to be, uh, they're going to do it leading up to the election if the polls get out of hand because they're going to need to keep us voters of Trump home. Uh, how do people prepare for that? Well, you know, awareness is the number one thing, I think, is for people to be aware that this is this is the game, right? And that doesn't make it any less dangerous. You know, it's a game to manipulate votes and voter turnout and to push mail-in balloting. I mean, that's that's proven now. And we know that. And how do people be prepared? Number one thing is I say, stay healthy. Stay out in the sun, eat healthy foods, get a good diet. Uh, you can stock up on anticipatory medication because I'll just tell you cynically, all of my classmates and friends that told me, you, you know, you're foolish for dispensing hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin from your pharmacy. That stuff doesn't work. Well, here we are two years later and some of them say, do you really think it works? And when they're really sick, catching COVID and I say, you know what, I'll help you. OK, you got to go get a telemedicine consult, but don't do this. Don't call me at three o'clock in the afternoon on Friday when I don't have enough time to get you to a telemedicine doctor, okay? And then maybe get the stuff shipped out to you, sent overnight. Why don't you prepare for it? And that's why the wellness company and I, we came up with a kit where you can be prepared with hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, antibiotic, azithromycin, just in case of an infection, because early treatment is so crucial for much better outcomes, because what if you can't get to the hospital? Yeah. I uh, you know the other thing we've seen is obviously you know we saw this uh, we saw the strike on on uh, big three car companies the UAW that seems to be resolved we saw the strike in Hollywood uh, and I believe I don't know if it was a week or two ago we saw a walkout at some of the major pharmacies how how do um, Farmageddon how do we how do we avoid that and if and if we continue to see things like that how does that affect uh, people in the United States? Well, I worked chain drugstore for a while. How do you avoid it? What the pharmacists are complaining about are the abhorrent 
working conditions, the demands that are on them. So if the corporations don't recognize that, I think we could quite possibly see continued disruption because if the pharmacy is open and has medication, uh, but but actual pharmacy counter, not the store, but the pharmacy counter is locked because there's no pharmacist there, what are you going to do? How many pharmacists are leaving their drugstores in very liberal uh, cities because it's just rampant shoplifting and crime? Do, would you want to work in a place like that where that danger, that behavior is allowed to continue. Kaiser pharmacists have gone on strike and we've seen walkouts now organized with Walgreens and CVS and CVS scoffed at it. Oh, it really wasn't a big problem. So CVS pharmacists organized a second walkout. The working conditions are so abhorrent for chain drugstore pharmacists, especially the ones that really don't want to jam the needle for the vaccine. They don't want to do it. And I think that's a that's a big risk. Anyway, it's another factor to take into consideration. And preparedness is not something in our just in time, I can get it, whatever I need, whenever I need it, whatever I need, whenever I need it in America is not something that's been in our consciousness. But given everything that's going on in the world, as you mentioned, it's important to do that now. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow's Veterans Day, and I know one of the initiatives you guys work with and support is the Warrior Wellness Initiative. Tell me a little bit about that. So the Warrior Wellness Initiative is something that founder of the wellness company, Foster Colson, had developed along with the entire corporate team because, gosh, the veterans in our country are so poorly taken care of. Someone needs to reach out to them and say, look, we can offer discounts on telemedicine consults and early access to treatment because if you can even get to the VA and have a physician that'll listen to you, good luck talking someone into uh, prescribing hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. If you're even tested positive for COVID, you know, let's just say they give more dangerous uh, medications like remdesivir, which is shown to cause multi-organ dysfunction in 65% of patients that receive it in the hospital setting. That initiative not only provides discounts for veterans that earn it, and they earn a whole lot more. We owe them so much and so much respect that it gives them access to things that the Veterans Administration and other more traditional providers aren't going to. So it's a big part of the company's ethos. That's great. As we're talking, I'm sitting here getting emails from people saying, Damon, I've been taking ivermectin prophylactically. It's been working. I haven't been sick. Uh, any, anything the audience should know about ivermectin and taking it prophylactically that you that you recommend? Here's what I typically recommend. And I'm a pharmacist. I don't prescribe. I make recommendations. Uh, I personally take ivermectin three times weekly for prevention. Would one weekly dose be enough? It would probably be adequate, but, but I have it. And you have to dose the range between 0 0.4, 0 0.6 milligrams per kilogram per dose. I commonly recommend make sure that you're well hydrated when you take it. And for those that might be a little bit apprehensive, and I don't know how many out there in your audience really are anymore. I have some that have questioned me. What, what do you think about that, Robert? Is it dangerous? This is a drug, ivermectin, that has been on the market for nearly 60 years. It's been used in the very young and the very old with a great safety profile. And four men in 2015 shared the Nobel Prize in Science and Medicine for their work on ivermectin in humans. Kids can take it. We make kids chewable tablets at my pharmacy. So when you think about the value of the drug, I tell people, look at the publications at IVMmeta.com. You can go to PubMed. And here's what we're going to find next. Next wave is coming. People that are taking it and noticing that solid tumor cancers are improving on ivermectin. Dr. William Mack has us talk about multiple mechanisms by which ivermectin works not only against the viruses and other infections, reduces inflammation, neutralizes the spike protein, but effectiveness against cancer. That's what I think about ivermectin. I'm a proponent. Yeah, very good. Uh, we're speaking to Dr. Robert Seek. Of course, you can visit him, twc.health slash voice. Use promo code voice. If you visit it, twc.health slash voice, promo code voice. Uh, Dr. Seek, thank you so much for joining us and all the very important information. We'll have you on again. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, Dr. Seek, 
live from Studio 6B. Again, twc.health slash voice, twc.health slash voice. Of course, that is the wellness company. Uh, 42 past the hour. David Zier is here. We're going to do some news, but uh, great stuff from the doc, right? I mean, you see the numbers on the new COVID. Uh, I actually got a text from CVS today, believe it or not, on my phone. It said, hey, uh, make an appointment now. Um, two shots, one day. Get your COVID and flu vaccine. I texted him back said, no, thanks. I like living and uh, take me <laughs> off your list. But uh, the numbers of people going for their uh, new vaccines is plummeted. So it does seem like, which is good. It seems like, um, it seems like the American people are kind of onto this, onto yeah. the jive now. Yeah, until the next lockdowns in September 20th of 2024. <laughs> this is what shocks right me. Right the election. This is what shocks me that there's no discussion about it at all three. No questions about it. No discussions about it. Seemingly, everybody wants to move past it, and not and, and none of these people get held responsible. The, all these governors uh, don't get voted down. Travis it's, Kelsey it's doing to me. Travis Kelsey doing the vaccine dance. He loves the vaccine, apparently. I mean, Bashir was a disaster with COVID. Just didn't matter. Didn't matter. They like him there in Kentucky, David. Don't you know his father? No, okay. All right, uh, live from Studio 6B. More news coming up right after this. Studio 6B, 13 till the hour. A lot of good emails coming in on. <laughs> a lot of good emails coming in on uh, your feelings on uh, Christy. And you're all absolutely right. You're all absolutely right. So, uh, all right, lots to get to. We'll get to some news with David Zier. We'll get to Crazy Town in hour two. Um, saw a couple interesting things today. This piece by Marianne Cousins, a majority of Americans say political dysfunction is fixable. But right now, most Americans feel the country is off on the wrong track. Americans feel the country is off on the wrong track and issues surrounding the economy. Political division and government institutions are driving that perception. Nearly three in every four say the country today is off the wrong track. 75% compared to 20% who believe the country's headed in the right direction. There's no way 20% of this country thinks we're heading in the right direction. I just don't believe that number when they say that. No. Uh, A majority listed the national economy as the reason the country is off the wrong track, 61%, followed by the functioning of our government and institutions and the the level of political division in the country, both with 47%, 68% of the Republicans say the national economy is the reason for the country being off the wrong track, while 50% of Democrats agree. The most common among Democrats for thinking the country's off the wrong track is political division. Uh, women under the age of 55 are more likely to rate, uh, to rate threats to my personal rights and freedom 
as a reason the country is off the wrong track. 34% more than women 55 and older, which comes in at about 26%. But if you look at this polling they did, um, 73 on, off on the wrong track, 61% say the national economy. Number two is the functioning of government and institutions. Number three, the, letter, the level of political division in the country. Number four, the position of the United States in the world today. Number five, threats to my personal rights and freedom. Six, my personal financial situation, which I'm, I'm I mean, every poll obviously has their own. I'm surprised that's, that's not higher. That's uh, number one. That's yeah. number one. That's number one is exactly it's, right. It's that, the border, national The state security. of foreign affairs, the safety and security of my family, the state of public health, the impact of social media on society, too many changes in American culture, which is one of the things you got to. Last night when we were talking about the abortion thing in Ohio 1 and all of this. Um, and I've heard some other talks since you talked about it. Um, people saying the state, of the, um, the state of the church in America is a big reason. Uh, 100%. And, and look at the Pope, you know, and uh, look at uh, what's going on out there. So, I, you know, I think despite all of the losses um, and... In, in the previous elections, too, I think Trump won in 2020, though. Um, I, I think that we've been able to stave off of an even bigger deficit, you know, as more assembly members in various states continue to go blue. People are still voting blue. It, it's, uh, you know, but, you know, you go to places like Connecticut and you go to other places that are blue, California, New York. There's a lot of like elitist Democrat types or you work for the government, or you're in a municipal union, the teachers in Jersey, in New York, California. And now they're, they're big, uh, they have a lot of power. And, uh, you know, you continue to see a gravitation towards uh, blue, blue electorates, you know. So it's uh, unavoidable, unfortunately. And maybe it'll take a catastrophic event or us going to war or something to wake people up. But I don't know. <laughs> you know, um... I was really down on the Kentucky thing, obviously on on election on Tuesday night because to me I I just thought there was no excuse that a guy like Dan, Daniel Cameron can't beat a guy who again I come at it look at it and what a disaster he was during COVID, and of course I think well the people of Kentucky have got to hold him responsible as you would figure the people of of any, anywhere where they were locked down named non-essential businesses closed churches closed told to hide under your kitchen table, force your kids to wear masks in school, the, 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 all of the detrimental effects to your kids. I mean, I don't know how anybody, given the chance then to make your voice heard, could support the guy who did that. I, I, it's, it's unfathomably to me that you could get the majority of the state to say, oh, well, you know, we'll let bygones be bygones. We, we like you here in this state. Um, it just was shocking to me that he won that race so easily. Well, I would just add to that, um, there was a 3% GDP growth, which was faster than the national average uh, last year in Kentucky. And it's been increasing every year since he's been governor. Now, not by much. I think two of the three years or so have been, uh, four years have been 0.7% gains. Um, but, you know, apparently, you know, including Republicans, because they must have voted for Bashir. 
if Trump wins by 60% and he wins only by, you know, he gets, he wins by 5%, he obviously got Republicans to vote for him. So Charlie Cook, though, brought up a good point that I kind of thought about today and I went, mm, okay. Um, and that is the number one, that number one, his dad was elected there, attorney general in 1979, lieutenant governor in 83, governor in 2007 and 2011. So his dad was elected twice as governor there as well. Um, but then he says the state elected only two Republican governors, each only for one term since 1972. One of the reasons that this has persisted in spite of our partisan politicization is thanks to the overwhelming Republican advantage in the state legislature. The people of Kentucky are able to get Republican policy while having a Democratic governor. There are 38 members of Kentucky State Senate. 31 of them are Republicans. There are 100 members of Kentucky's House. 80 of them are Republicans. Yeah. That's not just supermajority control. That's super, supermajority control. In Kentucky, the Republican legislature can override a veto from the governor with a simple majority of the total number of elected members in each chamber. There is, as a result of that, no plausible circumstance in which the Republicans will ever lose a fight with the Democratic with the Democrat governor. But did you know Trump's blaming McConnell? And what did Mitch McConnell have to do uh, with this loss? Well, Cameron well? was like his handpicked protege. Yeah. Well, McConnell McConnell's the worst disaster ever presented to one single party from any state. And the fact that he's still around and still in leadership just speaks to uh, how lost this party is over in the Senate. And you look at the guys who stand around him, not one of them would I want to be in any kind of a fight with or bunker with ever. Not one. Not Thune, not Barrasso, not any of them that stand there around him and think that he should still be in that position. Not a one. And, you know... It just doesn't seem like anybody is uh, ready for change in that position, I, I even in his current state. I'll, I'll share my story again. No, I don't mean state Kentucky. I mean state of mind. Yeah. You know, I, I've been active uh, with Republican politics for a long time. I left the Republican Party in 2016 because in New York they voted to take our gun rights away and punished us. But, um, you know, there are RNC Bigwigs, one of them, which I had an argument at a bar over a bottle of bourbon about a year ago. Um, Anti-Trump, anti-Trump, there's RNC, very important people. He was a regional director for a large section of our country in one of our Western states. And I'm not going to say who it was, but he was, he hated Trump and he had disdain for the MAGA people. And I think there's an element of that, you know, in the GOP, it's not everybody, uh, but there's an element of, uh, you know, disdain for MAGA, and uh, they just don't want them. There's, a, there's disdain for MAGA, but there's a bigger disdain for conservatism. And yeah. Mitch McConnell is the leader of that. He has, he has stuck his mush into more races where we had real good conservatives, and he backed the rhinos and raised money for them, than I could count. He's done it his entire... He helped Obama usher through more things than he ever would have thought of helping Trump usher through. Our live from Studio 6B, Hour 2 coming up. Crazy Town News with David Zier. All when we get back right after this. Maybe even Harry on the highway.
right, hour two, live from Studio 6B, 9 p.m. on the East Coast Reel, America's Voice. Glad you're in. David Zier sitting here with me doing some news. Slick will be here an hour or two to do some sports. Aaron and Fran holding it down. Harry on the highway somewhere in the building as well. Lots to get to in hour two, but we'll kick off hour two. I just received this link from Mr. John Solomon over at Just the News. Just broke this story at 8.53. Headline, Hunter Biden accountant aided IRS agents. Let me say it again. Hunter Biden accountant aided IRS agents. Alleged first son misrepresented income as late as 2020. As Joe Biden marched towards the presidency in 2020, Hunter Biden and his legal team scrambled to clean up a trail of delinquent taxes before they became a media scandal. But the future first son allegedly continued to misrepresent his income and deductions to the very accountant he had hired to help, according to one secret IRS memo made public recently by Congress. The memos show that Jeffrey Gelfound an Edward White and Company tax accountant hired by Hunter Biden was a cooperating witness in the IRS criminal probe of the first son and is likely to be a key witness in the younger Biden if the younger Biden is charged with tax crimes by special counsel David Weiss. Gelfound also could become a witness of interest to the House Oversight and Accountability Committee as it digs deeper into the Biden family finances as part of the ongoing impeachment inquiry in Congress. Buried in the mountain of 700 pages of IRS whistleblower documents released in September by the House Ways and Means Committee are interview reports, affidavits, and case summary memos chronicling Hunter Biden's efforts at the height of the 2020 presidential campaign to remedy his delinquent income taxes dating back to 2014 and the income he made from the Ukrainian energy company Burisma Holdings. Gelfound told agents the efforts in 2020 to pay off Hunter Biden tax debts became a priority because of fears the IRS and other tax authorities would place liens that would then become public, a potential embarrassment for the Biden family. (laughs) I mean... Uh, the hard drive at that point, I mean, I guess <laughs> I guess what's on there, they weren't worried about that being an embarrassment to the family, I mean, in 2020. Um, yeah, if there was going to be media attention because we were going we to get a lien, Gelfound told IRS agents in an April 2021 interview when asked whether erasing the tax debts had become prioritized. In another later interview conducted by IRS agents in November of 2021, Gelfound revealed that his firm signed an unusual representation letter with the younger Biden just days after the 2020 election, in which Hunter attested that the information he provided was truthful. Gelfound told investigators that this was the first time he had ever seen a representation letter like that. He said, quote, yeah, when you would typically sign the representation... The IRS investigators asked Gelfound, this is any type of representation. It's not a standard one, he said. When we typically prepare returns, there's an engagement letter that's different than this one, explaining to investigators why the representation letter was different. This is a first that I've seen and had a client sit down and sign a letter of this type. Hunter Biden was specifically caught by his accountant misrepresenting income from a company he formed with former Chinese energy tycoon uh, Yi Ming, according to the IRS memos. 
Agents believed concerns about the accuracy of the information that Hunter Biden was providing may have spurred the accounting firm to require him to sign such a letter. According to the affidavit submitted to the Ways and Means Committee by one of the whistleblowers, Joseph Ziegler, of course, he testified in front of Congress, I believe. In a later interview with IRS investigators, Gelfound told the agents that Hunter Biden originally represented payments from Hudson West 3, one of the limited, uh, limited liability companies tied to Hunter Biden, as loans made to him personally. Gelfound dug deeper, determined to classify the payments properly in his accounting of the younger Biden's taxes, the memos then show. After a review of the provisions of the LLC, he found that Hunter Biden was owed a retainer fee and compensation from the company, meaning that Hunter Biden had falsely classified income as loans. Gelfound said Hunter Biden did not push back when he explained what he had found, accepting the accountant's explanation and agreeing to remedy the mistake. Well, yeah, sure. I mean, that's the old, okay, you got me. It appears that Hunter Biden was confused about why this income should be classified as income rather than a loan. Well, that's just playing stupid. Biden's confusion may have stemmed from the fact that his Chinese partners had previously provided him payments in the form of loans on at least two separate occasions. In what congressional Republicans argue were part of the Biden family influence peddling scheme. Well, of course, because if it's a loan, it's not taxable. It's like borrowing against your assets. And you don't have to have a, uh, a repayment plan uh, if somebody lends you money. You don't have to have it in writing with a promissory note. But it would help in this case if he had one. <laughs> the accounting firm's instinct to have Hunter Biden attest to the truthfulness of his information proved prescient. Gelfound later discovered through his interviews with IRS investigators that Hunter Biden misrepresented multiple tax deductions at the same time that Gelfound was helping to remedy Biden's delinquent returns. Gelfound told investigators he was not aware that multiple payments Hunter Biden claimed as business deductions, including a $30,000 payment to Columbia University for his daughter, a payment to John Hancock for life insurance, and payments for his daughter's rent were, in fact, personal expenses and therefore taxable. In an instant that Just the News previously reported, Hunter Biden also claimed deductions for payments to an escort. Well... And classified them as business expenses. I mean, yeah, you know, we've, we've all done that, haven't we? It was business, all right. When Gelfand was asked about these deductions, he told investigators that he was unaware of the true nature of the payments. Hunter Biden had verified that these escort payments were business expenses, according to Gelfand. So uh, you can read this over at Just the News. John just um, John just put it out. Uh, just more bombshell bombshell stuff on hunter biden and how he's been just so blatantly outwardly protected here so we're gonna have we're gonna uh, harry got john solomon we're gonna have him at 9 30 um and we'll he'll tell us in plain english what this means so um all right david zier's here let's do some uh, let's do some news mr zier news is brought to you by our friends at seven cells seven cells.com Use our code LFS6B at checkout. Hi, Hare. Harry on the highway here. Um, well, there he is. You look good, Hare. I had actually emails of people requesting Harry on the highway make an, uh, make an appearance. Yeah, so I figured I'd come out here from the control room and uh, speak Well, what were you speak, doing in the control room other than, bar, other than um, annoying Aaron and friend? What I were was, you doing? I was bothering uh, 
very much I so. Was. Yes, in France is very much so. Okay. And Slick Rich just walked And Slick in is too. here. So the whole Party's gang's here. here. <laughs> eight, minutes, eight minutes past nine is the magic time. Everybody's <laughs> in the house. Well, Harry, let's get serious. How are you feeling? I... On a, on a serious note, I feel I feel great. I feel like a rock star. I'm back to normal. Um, everything is working, and and I got and I'm going to thank everybody again because the texts still come in. In fact, I'll I'll tell a quick story. Uh, Brandon and I last week was in West Palm. A lady comes up to me and she goes, "Oh my gosh, it's you, Brandon Jarvis, one of the great Brandon cameramen Jarvis, work here at uh, Real America's Voice." Did our rally yesterday? Great guy. She I see her looking at me. We're we're just going to sit down for dinner. And uh, she goes, I, I, I'm so happy to see you. And I'm like, oh, hi, how are you? I'm Harry. You know, she goes, I knew one day I was going to bump into you. I said, really? I said, do I know you? Do You know, she goes, I, I, I'm a fan of LF6B. I watched Steve Bannon, and I watched you all through your last two years, and you look great. I said, well, thank you. She came all the way from California, and uh, we took a picture. Her name is Patty. Uh, she was there to see a concert, and uh, you know what? And it's funny. That happens so many times. I'll be on a plane. Uh, I'll be at a rally. I'll just be walking down the street, and as, as David says, right, and Rick. Rick, you talked about it a couple of days ago. People just recognize us. Oh, yeah. And it's a it's a it's a cool thing. It really is. And uh, so, am I feeling great? I am feeling great. And thank you because all the people out there with all the prayers and texts that I receive. I just received a couple just a few minutes ago telling me, "Get on and let the, you know, get on the show." And I thank you. And Damon, one day I want to have my surgeon actually got back to me and said he would love to come on the show. He's a big fan of the show. He's uh, local here on Long Island. And just uh, talk about, you know, preventative maintenance. Okay. Well, that'd be great. It would be. Uh, let's get to some important questions from the audience. Paul Nolan's New World Sausage Order says, Harry, uh, where's the pizza tonight? Oh, very absurd. Well, you got to have Ben Berkwam here for you to bring pizza? Well, Is that may, basically may, the deal? May, maybe. I, I mean, I did uh, have two slices earlier, but I did ask everybody, but you weren't here yet. Would you like a slice of pizza? And no one said anything. I, I mean, so. have you, you know, phones were... Phones work well. You could call me they and say, do. I was they at my do. son's basketball game. Oh. They won, by the way, second oh, game in a row. Now they have the championship game on Saturday, which he will not be attending because we'll be uh, in Connecticut to see my mom. For her birthday. For her birthday As you today. should be. Right. That's happy birthday, mom. I was going to say, why don't you, did you wish her, you know my mom. Did you I wish know her your mom very birthday? well. I just, I just did now. Okay, very good. All right, very good. Slickster, how are you? Big D, what's going on? I apologize I'm late. I was stuck behind the Chris Christie food truck. <laughs> <laughs> the truck's called, ready for this one? Kamikaze Crawlers. <laughs> Dipping donuts, baby. Yes, I apologize. One of those nights. Oh, very good. All right, well, the gang's all here now, so we are going to do some news. Let's continue to do that. Here with David Zier. What's going on? Uh, a lot going on. I, I guess uh, you only have a, a minute or two in the till the break here, so I, maybe I could just talk about the uh, guest on Breaking Point this week. Yes, Breaking it's relevant. Point, 8 a.m. Saturday morning right here on Real America's Voice. Who's coming up? Yeah, well, we have Brandon Weikert on, who's just really great, the author of Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, um, really talking about the dynamics of Iran, uh, Chinese-Russian influence, why they feel so emboldened to do what they're doing, our attacks on our troops, the 40 attacks on our troops, our 
you know, missile, missile attacks uh, on on Syrian-based, Iranian-backed um, munitions storage. Um, and and this, uh, it's really fascinating, his outlook. So uh, I would check that out uh, this Saturday on Breaking Point. And also, um, you know, we have Dave Walsh on, who's on Mitsubishi Power System. You see him on the War Room. I've gotten uh, to know him uh, pretty well over the years. And I have a background in renewables, so we're going to talk about the uh, wind farms. And tomorrow in American Sunrise, I'll be doing uh, some, some information on that, too. You know, um, major wind projects on the East Coast of the United States are folding. Rhode Island may go forward. It's still up in the air. Uh, Connecticut. Massachusetts, this problems uh, off the coast of Long Island. They wanted, they requested a rate hike of forty percent on the taxpayers in order to help build this thing. So you know, it's a myth uh, that you know. So anyway, uh, and and the two big jobs that Orsted, the Dutch company, um, wanted to build in New Jersey are Gonzo Kaput, and they don't want to pay back the three hundred million dollars in that they guaranteed the taxpayers if they failed to build it. So this is really backfiring on the left. It's something to follow. Um, and it's very interesting. All right, very good. We'll do some more news with David Zier when we get back. Crazy Town coming up as well. Hour two, live from Studio 6B. Thursday night. Let me talk to you about our friends at My Patriot Supply. The clear, you know, it's clear the unthinkable. Well, it could happen at any time. With the recent media distractions, most folks will never see it coming, but some will. Your gut will tell you that something is wrong. The headlines will prove you right. Our so-called trusted institutions will tell you not to worry that everything's fine, but you know better. Self-reliance doesn't happen overnight. You have to start somewhere. Start with My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply, the country's largest preparedness company, is more than equipped to stock your shelves. Ditched to canned vegetables and boxed pastas, their best-selling three-month emergency food kit provides delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners that can last up to 25 years. These meals offer over 2,000 calories every day with a balance of protein and carbs to help you uh, keep you fed and ready in an event of emergency. Just add water and heat, then eat. Start or strengthen your food supply with this three-month food kit from My Patriot Supply. Visit preparewithrav.com, preparewithrav.com, and get ready. Order now for fast and free shipping as well. Go to preparewithrav.com, preparewithrav, all one word, preparewithrav.com. Check them out, My Patriot Supply. All right, 18 past the hour. Let's do some news. News, as I said, was brought to you by is brought to you by Seven Cells. And here with the news is David Zia. Mr. Zia, how are you? I'm great. I have some funny videos for you guys, some disturbing ones. Uh, do you have cut number one? I hope you did a better job with your kids than this. I sure uh, do. Why don't we check that one out quick? 
What's going on? Nothing. Why are you driving in the wrong way of traffic? No, I just got changed around. I just moved here like two months ago. Okay. I just got changed around. Okay. Do you understand what's going on though? Yes. You're going into oncoming yes. traffic. I know, and I just decided that it was better just to turn around really Okay. But I'm sorry. I just have like really bad social anxiety and stuff. I get you. I don't want to step out whenever you're asking for stuff. Okay. Well, we're past that. Just go ahead and step out. As an indigenous person. Um, I'm an indigenous person. Right back here, please. Miss She looks Native Perry? American. Am I... Well, I'm non-binary, so. Okay. What do you go by? <laughs> Kai. How can I refer to you tonight? Kai? Kai? Okay. Hey, I'm smelling alcohol. I know. How much have you consumed tonight? Like, probably three drinks. I need to run you through some tests right now. Stand facing me, please. But I just want you to know that I also have very bad social anxiety. You and me both. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Any recent head trauma, traumatic brain injuries, anything I need to know about? Uh, mental, yes. <laughs> Focus on my finger, please. I am. You're just like trying to intimidate me. I don't know how I'm trying to do that. This is the test. As you know, as an indigenous person and there's a bunch of shit going around, I'm sorry, but we could blow that up. me to be you on know, my toe. Uh, wow. Everybody's nuts. But cut number three, do you have America has gone crazy? Uh, this is Ooh. a uh, parents of a six-year-old kid that are starting a career for their kid in drag. Uh, we'll cut this one off, off after about a minute, but you gotta see it. My name is Asa. I am six years old, and I do drag. This is from Asa the lips of TikTok. Asa is a baby drag queen. He performs uh, that, drag It's shows. a story that Vice uh, ran. Lulu Lovely Twirls. Lulu Lovely Twirls. Lulu Lovely Twirls! He started doing this four, five, now six years old. He is by far the youngest performer we've seen. There's even adult performers that sometimes you can outperform. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the next RuPaul. At first I was terrified. You never really know what people's reactions are going to be. What do you uh, think maybe we saw enough of this one, but uh, it's just I mean, amazing. gravy. Six years old. Six years old. This is what's going on. And then we got cut number five, Hillary comparing Trump to Hitler on The View. Do we have that I, I, Yeah, one? I mean, I've heard about that. I mean, she, uh, talk about, I said this before about Christy, about people who just cannot go away. She's another one who just cannot get over it, number one, and cannot no. go away, number two. Here she is. People would get legitimately elected. Mm-hmm. And then they would try to do away with elections and do away with opposition and do away with a free press. And you could see it in countries where, well, Hitler was duly elected. That's right. Right. And so all of a sudden, somebody with those tendencies, though, dictatorial, authoritarian tendencies would be like, oh, OK, we're going to shut this down. We're going to throw these people in jail. And, and they didn't usually telegraph that. Trump is telling us yeah. what he intends yeah. to right. do. To so I got a couple of more for you if that's you want just, later. That's just sickening, number one. Number two, if President Trump got captured by a UFO, we never <laughs> saw him again, we should get on our knees every day and thank him for saving us from that. Yeah. For four or, God forbid, is eight she years coming that back? would have been. Is My she coming God. Back? Yeah.
now. All right. No, I gotta hope. The, not the so. nerve of this woman. <laughs> Check it. But she would. She would. Yeah. If, she, if they gave her the like opportunity, herpes. you know, you <laughs> would. You always look under your bed for the closet monster. That's all I'm saying. It. It's just the the. the I don't even know what the word is with this woman. She stands there and talks about these things. She talks about the election. Meanwhile, she's running the one of the dirtiest political ops we've ever seen. And she sits up there and talks about legitimacy and elections and and trust and all of this as if, I mean, oh, my God. She just makes me want to vomit. And she just will never just go away. The Washington Post today, I think I posted this, has an opinion piece entitled, Trump doesn't just want to win, he wants revenge. And this goes through this article. It's like, it's like, it's like I'm living on another planet. This article goes through and basically talks about a situation where, oh my God, could you imagine a president weaponizing the government against their political opponents as if and who said that today this is in the washington post today as they detail trump and his allies have been begun mapping out specific uh, plans for using the federal government to punish critics and opponents yeah, I saw that. should he win a second term with the former president naming individuals he wants to investigate or prosecute and his associates drafting plans to potentially invoke the insurrection act on the first day in office to allow him to deploy the military against civil demonstrations sounds like QAnon. this would be unbelievable <laughs> except that it isn't trump himself has announced his intentions to just do this in what he considers a justified tit-for-tat retaliation. That's as close as they get saying tit-for-tat to saying that's exactly what's going on right now. They draw this scenario and then they want to say, oh, could you possibly imagine this happening in America? And it's like the irony of it is beyond gold. It's It's like, what what do you think? We're all living on a a different planet? It's all to take your eye off of the prize. It's all projection. All projection. Unbelievable. All right. Anything else, David Zier, you want to hit right now? Uh, right now, yeah, we have uh, one more uh, quick clip. Uh, a Buttigieg with his bike. You have that one? Cut number seven. If you <laughs> don't have it, we'll you can do that later. Um, and some of the other stuff I have is a little bit longer. A German, German Islamist, cut two. You got that? I do have cut two. I don't have Buttigieg, but I have cut two. What is this one now? Set it uh, up. You got to see this. Okay. Uh, here it is. Let it roll. They don't want to see blonde girls in the street in Germany and, and these Islamic neighborhoods have taken over, you know, parts of Germany. Um, and uh, just if you read, even read the subtitles here, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, German society is being changed. Yeah, I see. Uh, you know, I see all these soccer player women. I see Megan Rapino uh, uh, raising money for Palestinians, and I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> does she understand that if she went there, uh, she'd be beheaded? Yeah. I mean, it, it's like again, it's like it's like I'm living on another planet with these people. It's like, are you kidding me? All right, some sports with Slick Rick coming up. Crazy town as well.
live from Studio 6B. We'll get to crazy down here in a second. Um, oh, it's crazy. It's crazy right now. Damon, get, I'm, I'm sorry, what? I said things are crazy. Damon, if, give, if we had a camera looking this way. Harry's got his own show now. You just, you just <laughs> ordered my T-shirts, finally. Harry on the highway shirts are on the way, whoa, Harry. Whoa, I'm so happy. Harry on the highway, I oh. ordered you an LFS 6B 2023 logo T-shirt. <gasps> what a nice shirt. And I got you a cobalt blue uh, LFS6B regular live from Studio 6B logo shirt. Whoa. And Whoa. did I tell you that I have the more? one? I, I have the first and only right now in print uh, Slick Rick calendar in my hands. And let oh, me yeah. just say this. It's as good, if not better, than the Sports Illustrated calendar. 100%. It, just now, the quality. <laughs> for the guys out there, it's not. <laughs> the pictures aren't exactly going to hit you the same way, maybe. But for the ladies... It's it's going to hit you the same no, way. It's actually very tasteful. It's it on is fire. as classy. It's very it is as classy a calendar. I'm not just. I swear to God, I'm not just saying. When I saw the way it was shipped and the way it looked, were you shocked at? Were you shocked at it yesterday? Stunned, stunned. Uh, Rick, I got to tell you, classy as classy as you, right? It, it was beautiful. The 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 quality of the print. I mean, uh, it is an all timer. It it's the best calendar I've ever I've seen. I've ever seen. Yeah. Slick, than were you shocked at how, how good it came out? Yeah, I was shocked. You know, figure aside, you know, just it was unbelievable. The back, the cover, the gloss, the feel, the tie. Yes. Hey, the guys, get it for the gar- garage. Good dartboard too. You know, <laughs> put a cowboy jersey. And you won't. It. You'll never see the back cover until you order, until you get one. The back. At the end of 2024, you will not be throwing this calendar out. No. I can guarantee you that you're going to flip it over and put it on the wall just to keep looking at the back. That's the big secret of the whole calendar. So you have to wait to get it to see that. So oh, you're not going to show them that. Wow. All right, let's do sports. Then we'll do Crazy Town. Speaking of that calendar, uh, it's sponsored by uh, My My Pillow, Mike Lindell, and My Pillow. When you do your shopping there, make sure you send us your receipts because we're sending out free merch all through November and December. Ooh. Send your My Pillow receipts into LFS6P at Yahoo com showing that you used our code and then we will send you whatever you want you get to pick anything from the store uh and we'll send it to you slick rick what's going on in sports all right big day we're gonna go to vegas for a little rodeo we got to get a little rodeo in there i know everybody loves that las vegas days boy they do everything in vegas huh they got baseball soon they got football and before you know there'll be basketball they got hockey they got it all going on so here we go the core arena and just kicked off tonight so we don't have a couple of the events uh underway but steer wrestling leader round one grant peterson four seconds flat good score uh team roping justin fowden and wyatt thomas five seconds tie down roping matt Chuosa, 9.3 seconds, and the only other event in right now is barrel racing. Gracie Beckstrom, 18 and 6 tenths. That's a very good time right there as well. 65,258. It's not really a great time. It's an okay time. It's a big course, but we'll have the rest of the rodeo wrap up tomorrow night in the Vegas uh, rodeo days. Good stuff. We got a little football tonight, Big D. Not much of a game. This would be called, I don't know, the the the, the bomb bowl or whatever you want to call it. These are the two teams that are probably playing for next year's number one pick. We got the Panthers and the Bears, Big D. In Chicago. Right now, the Panthers are up 10 to 6. Bryce Young doing pretty good. The old Alabama QB for Carolina getting the start tonight. And uh, with a minute to go in the second, we got the Panthers over the Bears. You can catch that on Prime Video if you want to watch that uh, because that's the only way you can get it now with these Amazons. And we have one well, here's a story. Tensions run high after boy breaks girl's teeth. 
in a field hockey game. This is Dylan Gwynn of Breitbart. Uh, Dighton Rehoboth Superintendent of Schools Bill Rooney is desperately trying to ease tensions as recriminations rise in his Massachusetts community after a boy playing alongside girls at a school field hockey game knocked out the teeth of a girl on the opposing team. The incident occurred on November 2nd during a game between Swampscott High School and Rooney's Dighton Rehoboth Regional High School uh, where the boy playing for Swampscott slashed a shot that impacted the face of a girl playing for Dighton Reboth. Uh, Superintendent Rooney appeared on outside the, uh, the morning on Thursday, outkick the, uh, in the morning show on Thursday, and pleaded for people to address the situation calmly, Fox News reported. It's like a national story. It's very hot. The tension is very high. Rooney said, at first, it was a sense of trauma. I went to meet the bus when the girls returned from Swampscott because I wanted to let them know that they had the support of the district. He added that the school had resources available for the kids and the victim, but noted that the trauma that I saw in their eyes, the sadness I saw in their eyes and in the eyes of the coaches is something I will never ever forget but since then it has ginned up another level and now it has turned out to outrage because the fact that it doesn't change seems as if anybody is willing to listen to change he said and this goes on but if for change this is, is this is not a transgender issue because the Bay State Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association rules allow a boy to play on a girls team sport if he wants to play and it's not offered for boys and vice versa so this young man was in there playing I mean They've got to really start to balance this out. And, you know, field hockey can get physical. Definitely no question about it. Especially a kid taking a slap shot, a guy versus a girl. So, again, not a transgender story, but similarly something that needs to be looked at. And uh, a crazy story. So, uh, I have a couple other stories. Well, here's one big D. Uh, NFL legend Dick Butkus's cause of death was revealed. NFL Hall of Famer and Chicago Bears legend Butkus died last month from a stroke. A death certificate obtained by TMZ Sports says Butkus passed away on October 5th at his home in Malibu, California. Coincidentally, or maybe not, the Bears got their first win of the season on the same night Butkus passed away. According to TMZ Sports, the desk of it lists the cause of death as cerebral uh, vascular accident, uh, otherwise known as a stroke. So that's what happened with him. Nothing crazy, but uh, the great Dick Butkus, the great all-pro uh, linebacker for how many years? 65 to 73. And that's a wrap in sports. Big day. I'll throw it back to you. All right, Slick Rick. Very good. So Biden was out today talking to the UAW people. They were all fired up for him, but it was a little bit of chaos. I think Joe did not handle it all that well. Plus, he was just uh, talking nonsense. And if he wasn't talking nonsense, he was lying. And if he wasn't lying, he was trying to figure out what was going on in the crowd. And that lends itself to today's Crazy Town. Roll it, Aaron. Someone decided this would be a good idea. I doubt that's an LFS 6B shirt. I hope I'm not that old when I finally get it. Oh, I'm going to get this for you, Joe. Here, hold on. Wow. Fire his PR crew. But here's the deal. I got raised on automobiles. My dad ran an auto. He didn't own it. He ran an automobile agency for a long time. No, 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 let let it go. Let it, no. No, don't. Let it. It's okay. I guess what I'm trying to say to you is, I grew up in neighborhoods where I know what it likes when the plant closes down. What? <laughs> Representative Bill. <laughs> Didn't know he's here. 
and and look, one of your great san- where are you? <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Mr. Magoo. <laughs> most of all, to the members of the UAW, you're a tough, tough, tough as they come. And uh, with me my whole career. Don't, no. don't. About six weeks ago, I went to Belvedere, Michigan. Excuse me, Bellevue, Michigan. <laughs> well, I tell you, I've worn this shirt a lot, man. You have no idea. I've been involved with in the UAW longer than you were alive, man. You guys sacrificed to save what? the automobile industry from the, fin- the middle of a fight. Fin- no, you, that's a fact. You did. Some of you weren't around. You were too young. But you, I mean it. <laughs> Thanks for, you had no choice. They, they, they had no choice because of what you put, did. You made this happen. That's no, no by, by the way, it's a bigger thing, I think, than even you all realize. You change, you're changing the face oh of the gosh. country economically. As a result, all the workers will be rewarded. It's facelift the economy. Then this June, I had a combination with Matt about the local, from the local UAW, as he just described. I can't take a lot of credit for that, but I watched it before. I watched it as a kid. I watched it as a senator. I watched what happened in my community. It changed everything. You okay? <laughs> Wants yeah. the press to know that wasn't me. And they laugh. I will not what are they laugh them. At? Let's think about this. When my predecessor, the distinguished, anyway. <laughs> And they were going to we were going to shut down. Remember, my other guy. I hope you said so. I hope you guys have a memory. You listen to him. He doesn't. <laughs> look, and since look, since I became president, folks, you know <laughs> what I knew growing up. Did you see they they settled a strike in? You guys are really a harbinger. They settled a strike in, in, in Los Angeles. Yes. Now you'll be able to see whatever the hell you want to see. <laughs> so let me close with this. Our economy has made strong gains since I came to office. It's a fancy way of saying is median household wealth has grown by 37% since the pandemic, meaning people are better off, 37% better off. I've never been more optimistic about America's future than I am today. And I know I only look like I'm 30, but I've been around a long time. (laughs) Not a joke, ever, anything. It's these mega Republicans, I don't know where they come from. That's why I'm so optimistic about our future. We just remember who we are. We are the United States of America. There is nothing beyond our capacity if we work there. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm telling and you, you're man. making it happen. Going God bless you all. May God protect our troops. Thank, thank you. Elder oh my abuse. god, just all over the map, man. <laughs> no no idea. Just terrible. <laughs> what was the lady? It's unbelievable. What I mean, was that lady shouting to him? I mean, there, there's you have to call for. She said, "Mr. Biden, you have to call for a ceasefire in Gaza." Uh, she just oh, did it yeah. nine octaves higher than I just did it, though. God. And then uh, somebody. Somebody tripped over something, and that's when he looked up and said, you okay? And then uh, you guys were laughing. I don't know if you heard. He looked and said, I want the press to know that that wasn't me. Meaning I, I'm not I the one who drip. fell over, yeah, for oh, once. Boy, oh, boy. But then he just talks in just gibberish. He just, like, he can't complete a thought. He's on to another thought. It's just, I mean, it's just brutal. I, but that audience, I mean, that, you know, that's about as much, that's about the most responsive audience he'll ever speak to. 
obviously the big union there. They, of course, they love them. But do they really love them? Really? I, I mean, let's let's you know. They always say you know the firemen's and the police here in Long Island. They they you know they love the Dems. They don't. They don't. When you talk to them individually, David, you know. Yeah. They they don't. They're not. It may be the leaders, the leader, the president. But well, they the really unions. Don't. The unions. I'm talking and, about. Yeah, yeah, and they both give big money to both sides, Democrats and Republicans. But so. the members yeah. don't. That's what Damon. The members don't. Hundred percent. I think they were laughing because the the, the press. He's, he's he's not. I don't again, think they know what to do. No. no what do you do? You know. Hey, listen. It's an honor to meet any president, right? No matter what side you're on, it's an honor to meet a president. But this guy, I go back to what I said three years ago: elder abuse. <laughs> This is elder abuse. The, the whole family, the whole party oh, should be man. brought up on charges. It's just unbelievable. The PR so person the should map. be brought up on charges for making him put on the T-shirt. And at least get it on him right. I mean, <laughs> just brutal, just brutal, crazy. All right, the great John Salmon's going to join us after the break. We'll talk about yeah. the breaking news that we went over uh, at the top of the hour. Mr. Salmon will join us right after this. And shout out to Patty one more time. Shout out to Patty one more shout time. Out to Patty. 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 Studio 6P13 to the hour. Please welcome, so we can get as much time as possible, the editor and chief founder of Just the News. You see him each night here at 6 p.m. on Real America's Voice, the great John Solomon. Mr. Solomon, how are you? All right, guys. Good to be with you. It was great to be with you. It was a great time on Tuesday. Thank you very much. It we was. talked about your uh, breaking news here. I'll read it again. Headline Hunter Biden accountant aided IRS agents alleged first son misrepresented income as late as 2020. Tell us about this. Well, this is very important from both a legal and a political perspective. Let me start with the politics. Let's take everybody back to the summer of 2020 when Joe Biden was on camera and said, I'm going to make those wealthy people pay their fair share of taxes. I'm about fair tax, Joe. I'm going to take care of you, the middle class. And meanwhile, his son had an operation going right underneath the president's son, trying to hide the fact that there were millions of dollars in unpaid tax bills. I think ultimately it was about $3 million is what we're learning. Uh, and he has a Democratic donor helping him pay things off because he doesn't have the money. He's got an accountant that's trying to figure it out. And the accountant starts working with Hunter Biden. He's like, I'm not sure this guy's telling me the truth. In fact, he was so uncertain that Hunter Biden was not telling him the truth. He made him sign a letter. He said, I don't think the firm ever did this before, but hey, I assure you that what I'm telling you, even after signing the letter, they found out he was not, he was misrepresenting things as loans that were really income. He was taking deductions he wasn't entitled to. In fact, some of the cheating he found out when the IRS agents showed up at the accountant's door. This is a guy named Jeffrey Gelfand. And he, um, 
He starts cooperating with the FBI in April of 21 and November of 21. He does two really big interviews actually with the IRS. FBI's there too. And listen, if you're in tax trouble, the last thing you want is your accountant uh, cooperating with the IRS. Uh, so if Hunter Biden is ever going to get charged with a felony, uh, I think this accountant is going to be witness number one, star witness number one. He has turned state's witness. He's a cooperating witness with the FBI. And we got a hold of these memos. You get a sense of two things. There was this scramble to hide the fact from the American public that Hunter Biden was a tax cheat back during the election. And then since then, the IRS has an unbelievable, they've had since the summer of 2021, a slam dunk, absolute, no doubt, IRS tax evasion case against Hunter Biden. Here it is, oh, almost 2024, and Hunter Biden still hasn't been charged with a felony. How about that? I mean, it's it's real. I mean, we we've talked about it all along that something like this shouldn't have taken five years or whatever it is. But I mean, the point, the political mm -hmm. point that you make, it's just like one of those. It's the typical whatever they accuse you of, you know, they're doing. I mean, That's the political right. thing here, is unbe it's unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And you talk about this all the time, that Democrats are great at projecting their sins on their critics and getting ahead of it. And it's true. They do. They, 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 if they know something's come down the pike, they pin that tail on the other donkey or maybe on the elephant, I should say, because it's usually the Republicans they put it on. But at the end of the day, Joe Biden, listen, there was a moment where I interviewed the attorney general of Ukraine and the guy said, listen, Hunter Biden was cheating on his Ukraine taxes. He didn't pay money on his uh, Burisma income. And I got called a conspiracy theorist by the Biden campaign. Those sons of a guns, they were lying then. I had it right. The Ukraine, look at that. The Ukraine attorney general was more credible than the president of the United States. That's what you learned about that episode. Ukrainians told the truth. Joe Biden didn't. And in 2020, while they're still calling me conspiracy theorists, they're trying to mop this up, trying to hide it from the public. In fact, the accountant says they were worried about media attention. That's why we were making this a high priority to make these tax debts go away. And by the way, Hunter Biden didn't pay his tax debts. A guy named Kevin Morris, a Hollywood Democratic donor for uh, Joe Biden, a lawyer. He pays off about, it looks like two to $3 million is what it looks like from this information we got. So Hunter Biden, even when he's getting himself out of trouble, he doesn't even do it with his own money. He borrows someone else's money. It's nice to have, I guess, a Democratic Party credit card. Yeah. So, so John, what do you make? So, what what do we make of David Weiss at this point? I know he was uh, he testified. I think this week. There's yeah. been a lot of talk about David Weiss. What, what do we know after his testimony this week behind closed doors? What what do we make of David Weiss? He's in on it. He's not in on it. Where 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 does he stand right now? Remember when we used to talk about how marvelous it was to try to understand what Rod Rosenstein said and what he meant? Yeah, this is another Rod Rosenstein-like character, a creature of the Justice Department in an era when the Justice Department is more about politics than it is about evidence and facts. And so he did this rope-a-dope with, uh, with uh, Jim Jordan and Chuck Grassley saying, I never asked for us to be a special counsel until, you're right, you just has to be a special attorney, which is the other form of special prosecutor. He played it too cute by two half, and now when he was put on the box and it was, uh, hey, you're going to be under oath now, you're in trouble, you lie to Congress, you know what that charge is, it's called 1001. And he's like, oh, yeah, I did ask for special attorney status and I got turned down. We broke the story on Monday. Uh, it's such an important story. Uh, but listen, almost all the narratives that the Biden Justice Department gave us from 2020 until now, they've all been debunked. And how have they been debunked? Because people like Jim Jordan, James Comer, uh, Jason Smith, and Chuck Grassley have went and got facts. And facts are a stubborn thing. And the truth of the matter is, the facts tell the truth, and Joe Biden and his Justice Department haven't told us the truth. So uh, you referenced on election night that Comer was, uh, you interviewed him, I believe, that day on your show. That's right. Uh, he's dropped some subpoenas. Tell us what you make of what we've seen from him so far and what's still to come. 
in the phase that they're in, they have exactly the right people. It's time to get the bank records and testimony of James Biden, Hunter Biden, put them on the box. Some of them are going to take the fifth. They're going to get immunized or they're going to get compelled, just like the January 6th witnesses did. Uh, but they're building up to this moment. And, and then there are two business partners that are very important, uh, Rob Walker and uh, Eric Schwerin. They had a lot of involvement. Walker on the China deal, Schwerin basically on anything that Joe Biden, Hunter Biden did financially, he was involved in many different conversations. He was doing Joe Biden's taxes. He was trying to get Hunter Biden to pay his taxes, which he didn't do that good a job of apparently. Uh, they're really important because they lock in the facts, they lock in the stories, but they're building to one big interview. And that's what uh, James Comer said here exclusively on Real America's Voice on Tuesday night. The last interview, the last compelled interview we're gonna do is Joe Biden. We're gonna put him on the box and we're gonna make him tell the truth or lie to us and we're gonna prove it. Uh, so they're building up to this crescendo moment of having to get answers from Joe Biden. But the story for Joe Biden doesn't look that good. Almost everything he told us in 2020 to get to be the president has now been debunked as a lie, but with facts, with evidence. In fact, some of the Biden family's closest friends are, are case exhibits for yes, the president lied. Uh, Joe, um, Rob Walker said, hey, Joe Biden met with the Chinese. I was there. And so he debunks Joe Biden. Uh, Eric Schwerin saw the China money come in. He does it. Heck, James Biden acknowledges that they got China money and that Joe Biden had contacts with the Chinese. The, uh, even Joe Biden's family is calling bunk on his 2020 story. Now, do we believe that Schwerin uh, is going to kind of loosen his lips a little bit and talk a little now that he's been... Uh... Hard to know, right? Yeah. Uh, he's probably already talked to the FBI and IRS, so he's locked into a story that he doesn't want to go astray from. Uh, I think he'll be a cooperating guy. He's a very respected guy around Washington. I know he hung around with Hunter Biden. He said, well, what judgment is that? But you sometimes can't pick your clients, right? Uh, but, you know, he's pretty well respected. I think he wants to tell the truth. He did seem to tell the truth in the little documents I've seen. Uh, I think he could be really a critical witness uh, for, the, uh, uh, for the Biden impeachment inquiry. Uh, uh, James Biden, listen, James Biden, we're going to put some stuff out that James Biden told the FBI next week, you're going to say, uh, hey, that sounds like he's telling the truth. Um, uh, the problem is that Joe Biden is now at odds with his own family and his own business partners. And I don't know how the White House navigates the next few months. Trust me, Joe is going to be, you lied to me, Joe. Yeah. A couple of other subpoenas. You have this Elizabeth Hirsch Neftali. Yeah. Uh, she was subpoenaed yeah. today, Los Angeles real estate. Uh, yeah. And then this CEFC uh, energy company executive. Is there any other yeah. of these people that we should yes. be keeping an eye out for? You're going to know the name Kevin Morris really well by the end of next week. We're working on a lot of stuff. But Kevin Morris is that lawyer who paid off the tax debts. I think you'll see a subpoena of Kevin Morris Monday or Tuesday of next week. He is going to be the next chapter of the Biden uh, family's enrichment scheme or finance financing scheme. Maybe that's the best way to call it. I'll explain more next week because you're going to get to see some incredible documents and seven months of uh, gumshoe work that we've done here at Justin News. We'll break it next week. But Kevin Morris will be the other family friend insider that I think fills out another piece of the picture. Uh, and I think we'll learn about just how much uh, Hunter Biden's art is sold. I think it's going to be about a million dollars worth of sales that Hunter Biden has scored. Uh, I've seen some of the art. I don't know. I'm not really an artistic guy, but it doesn't impress me. I don't know. Maybe I don't have the taste. Maybe I'm not cultured enough. I'm not a limousine liberal, but right, it didn't well, look too impressive to me. Yeah, I'm, somehow I'm not surprised. Uh, well, hopefully we can have you on next week, John, when you break all that news. And uh, we Absolutely. always appreciate your Come time. Here. And th thanks for joining us tonight. 
Good to be with you guys. Thank you. The great John Solomon. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks to the great David Zier, Slick Rick, Harry on the highway, Aaron and Fran. Great job as always. We will see you tomorrow night to wrap it up for another great week right here live from Studio 6B. Woo!